0: Um I'll probably die soon, but I'll die well read, so you know.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina and I'm Renee, and this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest new readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we're welcoming Colosser reader, Liberty Hardy to the show. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to
2: follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us.
1: Hello, ladies. (laughs) Hey, Renee. How are you? Hey, Liberty.
0: Hello. Well, I love when people record podcasts because everyone has been talking before they started recording. But then we all pretend like it's
1: brand new again. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, look who just joined us at the yeah. on the show." When you've been here. But yes, <laughs> welcome to Book Talk et cetera. We are so excited to chat with you. I have to say, you were on my short list of dream guests to have on the show when uh-huh. we first started because I've listened to you for I don't know, years and years, as long as I've been listening to podcasts. So I'm very excited that you came to talk books with us. Thank you. Yes. Welcome, Liberty.
2: And I mean, of all the people in the literary world, this is a treat to talk to you.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes. Well, I'll try not to curse too much. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I'll be on my best behavior. (laughs)
1: Wonderful. Well, if you're not already familiar, Liberty Hardy is a senior contributing editor for Book Riot the host of the popular All the Books podcast and curator of What's My Page Again newsletter. She lives in the great state of Maine, where she reads 600 to 700 books a year and hangs out with her husband and their three cats who hate to read. So thanks for sending that over. I was like, oh, 600 to 700 <laughs> books a year. I mean, that's a commitment.
0: Yeah. I don't really do much else.
1: Yeah. I am jealous. I feel like sometimes I'm like, yeah, I would like to read that many books. But we have a ton of questions for you. And I will say we opened our, we we teased to our patrons that we would be having you as a guest on the show and said, hey, if you have any questions, send them over. And they like came through. Oh, they were so, so excited. Yes. <laughs> oh, great. So yeah. That's great. We've definitely got a ton of questions for you. We'll hop right into it if that's okay with everybody. And we'll have our guest go first. Liberty, what is your loving lately?
0: So we got cable last year. And I have slowly been discovering all the channels that we have available to us. Uh, And so now, first we started watching Jeopardy. I love a trivia, a -hmm. trivia game. I don't want anybody to talk. I just want them to ask questions. I just want to ask questions and try to answer them. (laughs) Um, So I'm like, okay, get through the part about yourself. You know, about how like you crochet like cats made of your cat's fur and all stuff. You know, I just want to know the questions, Right. Um, and then I also found Masterminds, which is another trivia quiz show. And Switch, which is another it was a brand new trivia quiz show. So my husband and I watch those every evening during the week while we're having dinner. Um, and I'm just so happy about all of them. Although you you see like very quickly how like they talk about the same events on each show. Like they all start to overlap. It's like there's more history than this. We can talk about other things. <laughs> uh, but it's fun. And I'm also obsessed with Purtle, which is the NBA's version of Wordle. Okay. It's named after Jakob Pirtle, Um, And you have to try to guess the current NBA player. I'm like a huge, huge fan of the NBA. I watch a ton of games, which really has a cut in on my reading. Um, And so instead of trying to guess the word, you have to guess the NBA player. It's really nerdy and fun. That
1: is amazing, though. I would be so bad at that. I'm like, Jordan, (laughs) I I would be terrible. But that sounds really fun.
0: It's only current NBA
1: players. Oh, okay. That helps. So you have a
0: pool of like 450 instead of like, you know, the tens of thousands.
1: Gotcha. That is fun. I I was going to say, though, TV shows, that's what cuts into my reading time sometimes. If I discover something new... So it's like it's a love-hate because I'm like, man, I want to be reading. But also, I really like this program.
0: Yeah, I I feel that every time I'm watching something, I'm like, I should be reading a book.
2: (laughs) So, Liberty, do you focus uh, on the TV show or do you have a book open at the same time?
0: Um, It depends. Uh, I can't read like while the TV show is on. But if I'm watching it live and my husband is not there, I will read during the commercial breaks. Okay, but mostly we just record them and then watch them later, so we can just go right through the commercial breaks.
1: Yes, good idea. That sounds so fun. I love trivia. I w- if there's like a party going on or something, and there's trivia, I will stay all night. Like I really love <gasps> trivia. Now I'm not very good, I don't think, but it's fun <laughs> still. I'm very competitive.
0: Yeah, and it's good to like test your your knowledge and keep things fresh in your mind. Yes. You know, the- the capitals and all that
1: stuff. I can read really fast, like really fast. So that's my like Jeopardy thing. I usually get through the question faster than the, the, the host does. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I could buzz in because <laughs> I already know the <laughs> answer. So I'll beat you there. Now, I may not know everything, but I can definitely buzz in quick.
0: I need them to come up with a word for when you can answer the final Jeopardy question correctly and none of the contestants have. Like, I want a unique word for I that. I feel
1: like you can come up with that. I think it's that. just
0: called knowledge, but like, no. I just want like like a sp- like a gold star sticker kind of <laughs> word for like, you got it. And no one on TV did. My, I
1: literally love <laughs> Jeopardy. My mom will still text me. She's like, I got final Jeopardy. Oh my God. I love it. It's like so nostalgic too. <laughs> All right. I'll tell you about my loving lately. And, you know, we don't always bring ones that are book related, but I came across this this morning and I thought, oh, what a fun one to bring to the show. Right now, as we're recording, it's the Trans Rights Readathon. It's going on on Instagram and TikTok, and it's going from March 20th through the 27th. It's the 22nd today, so we've got a couple days left, but I know when this episode airs, it'll be over. However, there was a great resource that came about as a part of it. The goal of the Trans Rights Readathon is to raise awareness and funds for trans issues and to highlight trans stories. It's organized by sims underscore bookstagrams underscore badly, and we'll link all of this in our show notes, of course. And since we read diversely year-round, I wanted to share this resource that I came across. It is amazing. Read with Restarted It. What it is, it's an Excel spreadsheet that lists out as many trans books as he could, and he split it up by genre, so it's middle grade, YA, adult, and memoir nonfiction, when he when he put it out, it was at 300 books, and it's since grown to over 700 books, specifically with wow. trans characters or trans authors or both. I love it. I was so impressed with this. We'll, of course, link to the spreadsheet so that you can all head there and get some trans recs. And I love that he shared not only if the characters are trans, but what the author pronouns are, the specific genre, like fantasy or mystery thriller, and what trans rep is included, I love the internet sometimes. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. I was like, heck yeah, that makes me so happy that this exists. So again, we'll link to it. And that was Read With Reese and his trans-led book slash trans authors spreadsheet.
2: Oh, good one, Tina.
1: I know. I stumbled across that this morning when I was like doing my, you know, 5.30 a.m. scroll. I was like, oh, this is a good one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I am bringing a product today. I'm kind of. I had to check. I'm kind of surprised I haven't brought this to the show already. It is probably my favorite lip serum. It is Algenist Genius Liquid Collagen Lip Serum. Now, very long title for basic lip serum. But what I like about this, it's a vegan collagen lip serum. It's formulated with plant collagen. It's naturally sourced. The the thing about this is, I've used it for a few years. I never really know. That it's working until I run out. <laughs>
1: mm.
2: And then I can tell a huge difference because sometimes I talk myself out of, oh, you don't really need this. And yes, I do. I love it. <laughs> I only, and I actually only use it at night. So it lasts a long time. But what I've come to find is that it really does something to make my lips look a little bit fuller to to make them a little more contoured, it, it does help to reduce fine lines and it's really hydrating. I put this on by itself at night, let it sink in, and then I top it off with a lip mask, like a one of just something thicker. But you can use it more than once a day. But by doing this, it lasts quite a long time for me, several months. I will say that Algenis, the website, changed their packaging. I don't like it. It's much smaller. So I have recently been getting mine on Amazon, which is the old packaging. And it's a click. It's like a click pen kind of thing. And it's, I j- it's just much easier to use. So that was the Algenis Genius Liquid Collagen Lip Serum.
1: Okay, so a lip serum. Is it like glossy or it just hydrates? Okay. It it is glossy.
2: And I, oh, I should have, I should have made note what you need to do with this. And it's going to feel kind of weird, which is also why I use it mainly at night. You, you put it all, all around the tops and bottom of your lip too. outside, go outside. Oh no. Because that, yes, it does. Yes, Tina. It helps with the fine. It helps with fine lines, which oh, okay. and and it really like moisturizes that whole area. That is part of the key of of how the product. Okay. and I, I really think it makes a, a huge difference. I don't know. I love it. So this is a a repeat product for me. I've ordered it a bunch. All
1: right. I love when you bring when we find like oh how have we not talked about this yet recommendations, and I'm, I'm like deeply afraid I'll run out eventually. So I keep trying new things. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe this will be a good uh, loving lately. But let's get to what we've all been waiting for. Of course, we are very, very excited to talk with Liberty about books. And again, we sourced our patrons for some of these questions and they came through. But first and foremost, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into reading books for a living?
0: Well, I guess it's my origin story because I've done it I've read my whole life. My mom was a librarian from when I was very little, like 2 or so. And then she also got a job at a bookstore when I was in middle school, so she basically like locked down all the book jobs in our town and she took me with her. You know, I always wanted to be at the library. I read as much as I could. She did make me do rotten things like put the plastic covers on the books and like shelve stuff, but as soon as I got done with that, like I got to I got to read all the time. And so I've just always read and I would say that Twitter was really the catalyst. Like, I was on Twitter saying, you know, I read this book and I read this book and I read this book, and people were like, "Whoa, that's a lot of books!" And uh, Book Riot reached out to me and said, "Hey, we're we're starting this thing. Uh, would you like to be a part of it?" And I said, "Absolutely!" And I had just gotten a job at an indie bookstore a couple of years before that, so did that, and it's just kind of turned into all kinds of things. You know, I've been a book of the month judge. I've been a Hollywood book scout. I, you know. Do the podcast. I, I read all the time. I, I just love books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's amazing. And that's great that you found your love and pursued it. I feel like I was a voracious reader, too. But for whatever reason, when I was in school, I learned very young that there is, quote unquote, no money in being an English major. So I was like steered oh, toward yeah science and like i even forced my way into getting into physical therapy school even though i don't like science nor do i really want to like touch people for a living yet i continued to ignore my passion which was reading and english and all of that and language and so yeah i love that you you know found that about yourself and then kept it going
0: yeah but i i will be the first one to tell you like because i believe in being honest about these things we say that i read books for a living but it it is not a living <laughs> i couldn't do it without the support of of my husband, yes. Be, you know, I would, I would, def, you know, I used to work at the bookstore, but I also worked at two other places at the time. Yes. You know, what I mean, but I mean, I do get to read all day, and it's it's amazing. Just, um, it's a dream come true, and and I try not to feel guilty about it, like, I, but I, because I, I work very hard at it, but I still, I do feel guilty.
1: because
0: no. you know, it's what a lot of people would like to do. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I get that guilty feeling totally because now that we have the podcast, especially. I find myself I don't allow myself to sit down that much during the day to read because I feel like that can be an indulgence if I like I should be doing other mm-hmm. things now. So I will have an usually an AirPod in and do some audiobooks that way. But I totally get that guilty feeling.
1: Yeah. Do you know that Liberty yeah. does not do audiobooks?
2: No, that's one of my questions. I knew I it was one of your that. questions,
1: and I knew the answer because I just remain baffled. Now has that changed since you last spoke about it? No. Ah. Tell us it, more. Mean,
0: well, one, I can't sit still for anything. Two, I just read all the time. You know, like if I had like other projects or things I had to do, you know, I do the dishes. It takes three minutes. Like how much of an audiobook can I listen to? Three minutes, you <laughs> know? And honestly, I mean, it takes me about four hours to read a 336 page book, you know, and how long is that to listen to? You know, so, I mean, well, I'd yeah. rather do the the three, four hours instead of the 12 and
1: read more books. (laughs) That's a good point, though. Yeah, because it can't, I do, I think in my head, I think audiobooks are faster. It's not always the case. Although, unless you're Renee, Renee listens at like, what, two and a half? I listen
2: at 2.0 on just about everything. It just depends. I can sometimes go a little faster or the slowest speed would probably be a 1.8.
0: But that's just for me. I mean, I think they're fantastic. You know, I know s- so many people who listen to audiobooks while they're driving or like see, I just try to imagine listening to an audiobook while I'm driving and I'm just like, I need to pay attention to the road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to focus on one thing at a time. Like I just don't think I can do it. So, you know, but I, I love them for everyone else.
2: Okay. Yes. I love I love finding out that answer because that was something I really wondered about. And you are right. I feel like I do read faster on my Kindle. Than I do listen. So you are definitely right about that. Quick question, Liberty. When you were growing up, were you drawn to certain authors way back when?
0: I've always loved Agatha Christie since I was a little kid. She was like my first quote unquote adult author that I discovered. But I was more drawn to mysteries. Like as a child, I only read fiction and Mysteries, like contemporary fiction and mysteries, I think. Um, so it was just always mysteries. The Western Game is like and remains one of my favorite books of all time. So not, you know, but I, I read all the Nancy Drew. I read all the Hardy Boys. I read, you know, all the Encyclopedia Browns. So it was more a genre than an author. But definitely like Agatha Christie's. my love for her sprung out of that. We now refer to her as a problematic fave. <laughs> but <laughs> right. um, yeah, more a genre.
2: Got it. OK, Liberty, for. Me, a person who loves mysteries and thrillers and has never read Agatha Christie, can you recommend one of her books to me right now?
0: Well, I would start with And Then There Are None, which is probably, it is the best-selling mystery novel of all time. And it's a good place to start because it's one of her few standalones, and it really defined the locked room genre. I mean, there are certainly people that wrote locked room mysteries before that, but they didn't get quite as much attention. So, you know, she's credited with starting the locked room mystery because it's, a, it te- you know, 10 people on an island and someone is murdering them and, like, they don't know who it is and they can't trust each other, you know, that kind
1: of like oh, locked room thing. I love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, like, so she's credited with starting that, but, like, she didn't really. She's also credited with being the first woman to ever surf because she loved surfing, which a lot of people don't know about her. She was in no way the first woman to ever surf. She was just a very, you know privileged, famous white woman who was shown in the news. So everyone was like, oh, we've never seen that before. She must be the first to do it.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sure that happens all the time. All the time. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is a fun fact that I had no idea about. Yep.
0: Surfing. That's also something I haven't done. Maybe I should try surfing while listening to an audiobook.
1: Absolutely <laughs> there you go. I don't get into <laughs> I don't mess with large bodies of water, especially if there's sharks no. in them. Oh, no. I'll yes. look at it. I'll look at it. I don't even know about a boat. It depends. Anyway, (laughs) that's (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Can you tell us? Okay, I'm very curious about this, too. What does a typical day look like for you in terms of like your reading or like how do you I guess it's a two parter. How do you decide what to read next?
0: Well, uh, most of it is work driven. I'm currently I had two jobs up until August. Um, They had to let a lot of people go, which was sad. And so I'm looking for a second job while I do that. I have a little more free time to read things that I want. Uh, I was working as as a book scout and I was assigned reading like all the time, which kind of on the one hand made it easier because I didn't have to think about like, oh, I have to pick a new book. But now I'm like, oh, I'm just picking up everything that I I wanted to get. I'm reading a lot more backlist. But I usually spend between 10 to I'd say ten now, ten to fourteen hours a day reading. I used to spend like ten to seventeen hours a day. My husband is a musician, and so he records music for NPR podcasts, so he's usually like in his studio because I can't imagine if we were like a very chatty social couple that this
1: would <laughs> it wouldn't work be tenable, as well.
0: <laughs> so it we're we're kind of like perfect for each other because we both are like in our little space doing our thing, yeah, like I you know, I get up and. But obviously pay attention to the cats first. And then I just start reading and then I have to do some writing and then I do reading. I do most of my work reading during the week. I'm like stuff that I know that like is coming out soon uh, that I want. I want to read to consider talking about on the podcast. And then on the weekends, I usually try to do like backlist on one day and then new releases that I really want to read that are like way down the road. I try to get to like one of those. And yeah, I don't sleep very much, which is. Is like really bad for you. I'm like one of those car commercials, like you know, close track. Don't try this at home. Um, it, sleep is sleep is very good for you. Yeah, and and I don't, I I hate it. I actively fight it because I I would rather be reading, and it's it's not good. Got it's it. bad for you. Um, I'll probably die soon, but I'll die well read. So you know,
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I hope not, but. Yeah, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I'm just picturing you like my toddler when I tried and put her down and she's not in the mood. She'll be like, mommy, no. It's like you, but with oh, books. Yeah. Like, no, I want to read yeah. this book. Oh my goodness. Thanks for sharing. I was so curious about, I know obviously you read for the podcast, but I love that you also have, okay, this is my backlist day. This is my day for reading books that are super far in the future. I really want to know, do you take notes? How do you retain all of this?
0: So I didn't used to at all, but I started taking a few notes when I started doing the show. And then last year, I was very sick with COVID and I have long COVID, oh. a lot of horrible symptoms. And one of those is memory loss. So I've been taking very many notes now when I read a book um, because I'm like, I'm going to talk about that in five months and I'm not going to like remember <laughs> any yeah. of this. It's very frustrating. Uh, you know, I'm working on that with specialists and stuff like that. But, but the one thing... Uh, I think I mentioned this on this week's show is that if I read a mystery, I won't write down who did it because in case I go back and read it later, like surprise. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> if I can't remember on my own, like I'll be pleasantly surprised. Again.
1: <laughs> then but, you can reread uh,
0: it. I, yeah, like I do. T- I do take notes. Um, the most important notes to me are the content warnings. Like those are the ones that I really want to get down for when I talk about it on the show later on.
1: Yeah, you all do a great job with listing the content warnings in the show. I say, uh, go to StoryGraph. I have a very bad memory, though. I know that about myself, Mm -hmm. and I know that I don't pick up on those types of things in a way that others who are sensitive to certain things might. So I say, go to StoryGraph. But yeah, that could potentially be something that I should get better at.
0: Yeah, I'm all for content warnings because, you know, everyone is different. So if you were allergic to peanuts, you would want to look at the ingredients because you would want to avoid that food if it had peanuts in it, you know. So like if you're not allergic to peanuts, maybe you don't look at the ingredients and they're not for you like you don't need them. You know, I just like that they're there for the people who need them. Mm
2: -hmm, For sure. Liberty, you mentioned being able to pick a little bit of backlist on the weekends and kind of being more new release structured during the week. How do you go about doing that organization? Do you visually just Stack your books that you want to pick from because I know you have a lot of books, or do you use uh, a spreadsheet or any other way of keeping track of what's coming up?
0: Uh, I have a giant spreadsheet that I use. And actually, um, while you do see that my house is full of books, most of them are books that I have purchased, books that I read, you know, galleys of and then loved because I do, I would say 95% of my reading, my work reading is PDFs. I like to read PDFs on my computer. And now I've discovered I like to cast them onto my giant uh, television and read them on my TV. And a lot of people don't like to read on their computer or their TV. I know that they like like little e-readers. But, you know, I get the PDFs, which are like unformatted, you know, documents. So I don't I have to rely on my spreadsheet because I don't have those in front of me to go. Oh, I I want to read this next. You know, I do. I do still get some in the mail, but. I don't re- make requests. So when, you know, new release day comes around, I don't have a lot of the big new releases because I didn't ask for them because my house is full. I have no room. And <laughs> I'm I'm such a selfish little brat that I like to read books as soon as I possibly can. So if they're like, uh, we could send you the manuscript um, or, you know, we could send you a PDF when it's done or we could send you a finished copy or a finished galley like when that's done in a few more weeks. I'm like, Manuscript, manuscript, manuscript. You know, like <laughs> I want to read it right then. Give me, give me, so, give me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a spoiled monster, but like, yeah, I don't have a lot of the the books like actually physically here. It's a little sad because it makes it really hard to take pretty pictures for Instagram. I'm like, here's my laptop with the photo of the cover on. It. That is, yes, <laughs> that is
1: why I get physical galleys for for years and years cuz I was on or I have on Instagram still, but I did not I was like this weirdo about like not having a digital copy of the cover. Renee was always so good with it. who cares. Like, here's the book. Like, people care about the content of the book, but I was like so stubborn about that forever. I'm like lightening up on that, but <laughs> now I'm very curious. Do you use star ratings?
0: Not really. No. I mean, yeah. I just remember like like I don't use Goodreads. Yeah. People ask me all the time like, "Oh, what's your Goodreads?" and I'm like, "I don't I don't use it." I do as little as possible because that is more time that I can spend reading. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but you'd be amazed at how it adds up after a week. Like if I don't spend, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 minutes on Goodreads, you know, rating books and finding books and doing all that stuff, you know, that like adds up to like 2 hours in a month that I read, you know, two thirds of a book or something. Right. So I don't I don't really do star ratings. like I remember like, oh, I loved that book or I didn't love that book. And, and that's that's yeah. about it. Um, yeah. And because I read a lot, it does seem like I love everything. But I actually I don't I just don't find it necessary to talk about books that I don't enjoy because it just means, you know, they're not for me. And, and somebody worked really hard on that. And, you know, unless they're like actively problematic, like I'm just like, eh. Yeah. Let somebody else talk about
1: it. I totally get that. So you you do DNF then? I do not. You do not DNF.
0: No. Wow. I wait. should. Wait.
1: I should. You do not DNF. <laughs> oh my. This is This is groundbreaking. That's amazing. That is amazing.
0: Oh my goodness. So I don't know why. But I think it's because <laughs> I like getting back to like the trivia. Like I love to know the answers to everything. And so as long as I can remember, I've not finished, you know, maybe a dozen books now. And my boss at the indie bookstore used to be like, you know, how many books do you read that you hate? I'm like, a bunch. And he's like, and how many of those do you quit? And I'm like, none of them. He's like, life is too short to read books that you don't enjoy. And I was like, one time I read this book and it didn't make any sense at the beginning. And then at the end, it was because it was something else. And that was the solve. And so if I hadn't finished the book, I wouldn't have known why it didn't make any sense. And he's like, and how many more times has that happened? And I'm like, none.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Oh, I love this about you. That's very fun. I
0: guess
2: (laughs) you have just kind of blown my mind with that take on DNFing because like we love to DNF and we have a whole episode of (laughs) I
0: I applaud you because I mean seriously how much time am I wasting (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, but I've never thought of it in terms of the fact that when you DNF you are and I I'll, I'll, I'll just talk about myself I am giving up knowing the answer and I also love to know answers and I've never thought of it like that. But you I am giving well, up. I hope I
0: didn't break you. No, you might. Have, I don't know. <laughs> a little you, bit. I'm telling you, you, like, you. Not knowing the answers is fine. Like, let it go. Like, I don't care. I, yeah. I have a problem. I'm the
1: opposite. I'm like, oh, I don't need to know. Yeah. <laughs> that book was not It's not for me to know. Like for other people, sure, but not for me.
0: Uh, yeah. I wish I wish that I could. I wish I could do it. Sometimes I'll set a book down. Like I'll start a book. Even if I'm enjoying it, it'll be like, oh. I have to read now for an event or for work or something. And I'll set that book down for like six months. But I I have like a pile and I'm like, I need to finish that, you know. And then sometimes it's like eating my my Brussels sprouts. But I, I do it and I don't know
1: why. Yeah. <laughs> I do, though, secretly really, really like coming back to a book. It wasn't right at one yeah. time, but coming back and then finding it still there. Like, I kind of like that experience. We're going to do an sure. episode on that someday. Coming back to Books We dnf Yes, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a rare experience. So most of the time, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't read that. <laughs> okay. I know we are.
2: We're asking so many questions, but you, this is so fascinating right. to talk with you. I know our listeners probably have so much more they would like to know. Now we do have a few left. Can we ask you because you've probably read a lot of new releases up until even starting from January first until now? Can you tell us if you have any? 2023 early favorites so far
0: would you like to hear ones that are already out or ones that are coming out later
1: Both. one of you both <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: my most recent read that is definitely like one of my very favorite books of the year it just came out yesterday it's called beyond that the sea by laura spence ash it's historical fiction it's about it starts with a young woman um, whose parents send her to america to get her away from the bombing in London. Um, And she becomes very close with that family. And then after several years, she has to return to London and she's kind of torn, like living with these two families and and all this tragedy happens. It took me so long to read that book because I had to keep stopping and sob every several pages. That book affected me so much. I was really surprised. But I mean, it was just so beautiful and so sad, you know, like because, you know, it's a real thing that happened. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a novel, but I mean, people had to send their kids away and war is just, you know, the worst, you know, and so I just kept crying, <laughs> and I was like, "I love this book so much!"
1: Oh, <laughs> you just sold that! I know, yeah. like when you, Renee, yeah. loves to cry. That's her. That mm-hmm. she'll give a book five oh, stars. Oh, you if need she to cries. get this right away! Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: And one that hasn't come out yet, which I just discovered, they moved the release date from April to May. uh, When I was looking it up for the show, this is my favorite book of the year. It will definitely, you know, I I read it back in the fall. I can always pick. What book is going to be my favorite? And then a little part of me is like, you've already read your favorite book of next year. And it isn't even, <laughs> you're like six months away from that year. But it's Chain Gang All Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya. Yeah. Uh, this book is incredible. It is set in like this near future America where we've basically stopped pretending that the prison system is for reformation or does anybody any good and just flat out decided to make. Profit, uh, and the prison system has a uh, MMA gladiator-style reality show called Chain Gang All Stars, and it has a huge audience. And the gladiators are, are actual prisoners, and each season they fight each other and to the death. One of them dies, and whoever is left standing at the end of the season is is the winner of the show. Um, it's the story of these two fighters. Uh, Loretta and Hurricane, who are also lovers and, you know, this what they're going to do like as the season comes to an end. And also it, it looks at, you know, the very real, you know, racist, inhumane prison system as it exists today in America. He does the most amazing thing with footnotes that I've ever seen in the book. Like it is the most incredible use of footnotes. It, it will just it'll just devastate you over and over and over again because he's using like real facts about prisoners and and our prison systems like while he's writing this fictional story of these these two fighters it's unbelievable like i think i've been really bad at picking these lately but if it was up to me i think this is this is going to win awards for sure
1: Yes. Wow. I know I have a copy of that upstairs, so I have to get to it. You're right. It has been pushed back to May. I was like, I thought it was an April release, too. But that sounds so good.
0: It's fantastic. In the meantime, you can read his short story collection, Friday Black, which came out a few years, which is also just
1: stunning. I read the first story of that. Don't know why I never finished. But I was like, oh, oh, actually, I I do know why. (laughs) it's super intense I was like I need to take a break it is. but yeah, yeah amazing this
0: if you thought that was intense this is like 10 times Ooh, more intense okay but I think it's like a really important thing for people to read
1: absolutely it's so funny you were talking I was sitting there listening like I was listening to uh, your show <laughs> like I forgot that I'm like actively recording I was on net galleys poking around over there I'm like oh right yes hi <laughs> let me find my next yeah. question do you have any well I'm sure you do but who are your favorite authors that you will drop everything to read
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, it feels like so many now because I read like one book from somebody and then, you know, I want to read everything that they have. But um, historically, authors that have like several books, I will I will pick. I would say uh, Elizabeth McCracken. She is she is my favorite. Edward Carey, who also happens to be her husband. Uh, Colson Whitehead, Kelly Link, Paul Murray. I got the new Paul Murray and I still haven't read it. Because sometimes I get so excited for a book that I can't read it. Sometimes I will drop everything and read it right that second. And then sometimes I will get so excited I can't do it. So um, Paul Murray wrote *A Skippy Dies. And he has a new book coming out called The Beasting. And it's been many years since he's written a novel. And I'm just so excited that I'm still like sitting on it. Patrick DeWitt, he has a fantastic novel coming out in July, I believe, called The Librarianist, which which is one of my favorite books of the year. I just loved it so much. Alexander Chee. Uh, I could just go on and on and on. Please uh, you know, feel I, free. I just, <laughs> so I, I loved Miracle Creek by Angie Kim. Mm-hmm. So I've been campaigning to read her new book as soon as I
1: possibly could. Wait, hold on. New uh, book. It, There's a new book coming.
0: Yeah, it's called Happiness Falls and it comes out in September. Yay! Uh, and I finally got my hands on it and read it a few weeks ago. I read it in like, oh my goodness, I think I read it faster than I've ever read it. Oh, anything. I'm so and excited. so fantastic. Yay. You know, but it's like, I usually will drop everything for like an author, even if they've just had one book that I loved, you know, like Annie Hartnett wrote my favorite novel of last year, Unlikely Animals, you know, so like as soon as she has something new, no pressure, Annie. <laughs> you I know, I, I will read it as like quickly as I can. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh. Oh, that's so fun. Ooh, you just I just made l- my day, I swear.
2: I love that. I feel <laughs> like we just got the early, early, early scoop because I have, I didn't know Angie Kim had a new book coming out.
0: She does, and they're doing the cover release tomorrow on Goodreads. So,
2: oh, heck yeah,
0: yeah, it's beautiful.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Okay, oh.
0: yeah, can I talk a little bit more about it, please? So, let me just tell you. So, like, I, I've never and, and never seen anything done like this before. But that's also because this is a relatively new experience for us. Um, it is like Miracle Creek. It's a family drama, but it, there's also a mystery. But this time, the mystery is hindered by the fact that there's COVID like, and, you know, so you have to take into account, like they can't transfer someone to a certain place because there's a COVID outbreak there. And people at a scene have to be notified because somebody who was at that scene, you know, has tested positive for COVID or come in contact with somebody with COVID. And it's just like all these things that you don't consider in a mystery because it didn't used to happen, you know, and now like, it's just this whole other element of reality that, that makes it remarkable. It, it, it's mind bending how good it is.
1: Oh, I can't wait. And I love books that incorporate like today, like this happened. I yeah. know it's hit or miss for some folks because they may not be like ready to
0: oh sure. I, like that some again. people don't want to read about it. But I-, I was like, I never thought about these things. But yeah, of course. Like you just see like people are mentioning COVID here and there and novels and stuff, but but this was like, we can't do this because we can't go there. Yeah. Or like we all have to go quarantine now. And like I was like, wow, yeah.
2: That happened.
1: <laughs> it was it was yeah. a thing. Oh, thank you for that.
2: Well, are we ready? Can we do the rapid fire book? Ra- I mean, we yeah. could we could talk forever, but we yeah. cannot keep liberty all day long.
1: Are you sure? Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, go ahead, Renee.
2: <laughs> yes, liberty. We have some rapid fire quick recs for you. You don't have to do the synopsis, and I mean, we'll but we'll get the book titles. And okay. these are just kind of a little bit of a compilation of what of what some of our patrons wanted to know, and just some final questions that we want to know. Okay. Sure. So what is a backlist book you wish everyone would read?
0: Uh, 84 Charing Crossroad by Helene Hampf. Oh, it is like it is like the perfect book for bibliophiles. It, and it was made into an amazing movie with Anne Bancroft and Anthony Hopkins. But it's it's Anne Bancroft. Uh, excuse me. She plays Helene Hamp. It was It's a it's a nonfiction book where she uh, back in the day when you didn't have the Internet uh, wrote to a bookseller in London. You know, From the States looking for a certain book, and they struck up a, a friendship that lasted, you know, many, many, many years. And it's just the perfect book for people who love books.
1: Love it. <laughs> I know you meant that, Renee. It was just so funny. Your infliction was like, Love it. <laughs> I do. I, I, I,
2: this book has been on my TBR yes.
1: forever,
2: and I have passed it by and passed it by. And now uh, you, this is the one you mentioned. And so I'm like, Yes, that's a sign. That's a sign.
0: It's, I think it's under 200 pages. So it'll Perfect. take you no time. And then you'll watch the movie. And since you love to cry, yeah. you
2: will cry. <gasps> I can't wait to cry. <laughs> That's all you need to say to Sal
1: Renee. <laughs> yes, it truly is. It truly is. Okay, this one, you know, of course, I love my new releases. What is outside of a couple that you've already mentioned? Can you give us another new release that should be on all of our TBR lists?
0: My Murder by Katie Williams. Oh, It comes out June 6th from Riverhead, I believe. They bought Netflix, bought the rights to it before it was even finished or as soon as she finished it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's a a sort of speculative novel about a woman who was murdered by a serial killer. um, But in this future, people can be brought back. Your your consciousness is put down in an exact replica of your old self and you just get dropped right back into your life wherever it was that you were. But, you know, how do you feel about having been murdered and your choices in life, you know? You, you've been and not everybody is given this opportunity to be regenerated. And it's it's so, so good.
2: Sold. Yes. Sounds great. Mm. Yeah. I have this a co- really
0: great things about our, our fascination with true crime and dead women, too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. OK, I have a copy of that. I'm so
0: excited. <gasps> Make it next.
2: Lucky. Oh, OK. All right. Tell us a book you'll never forget.
0: You know, I was I wish I could tell you that, but. I think I have more like experiences from books that I'll never forget, both good and bad, as opposed to like thinking of a book that I, I, I won't forget. Like one of one of the books that affected me so much as a child was if I don't know if you remember, I, I think I'm I'm quite a bit older than you. They rebooted Nancy Drew when I was in in junior high. And the new Nancy Drew series had actual murders and violence, you know, whereas like You know, and she was like wearing like really tight ski pants and like little like rabbit fur jackets on the covers (laughs) and stuff. You know, whereas like before they were like all very wholesome and, she, you know, it was like, oh, we misplaced a vase. Where's the vase? You know, and there was this one book. I don't remember which one it was, but there was this one book in the series where one of the characters goes scuba diving and gets the bends. And I had never heard of the bends. And I spent like half the afternoon in the library reading about what the bends was. And I was like, I'm never going in the water. <laughs> <Never> again. <laughs> yes, And I still think about that when people talk about scuba diving. I'm like, like, I, I just have that little thing in the back of my brain that goes, remember when you read about that book? Oh, you know what's going to happen. And I'm like, oh. so, <laughs> totally I, it's a really weird. It's a really weird answer. But I mean, I, I mean, I remember most of the books that I read, like whether it's good or bad or like all the. Details I might not know, but I just remember, like, specific things more, I think.
1: Okay. Yes. All right. I don't even know if you have an answer to this question, but what is a popular or buzzy book that you have not read but want to?
0: So, earlier when I could not get my microphone to work before we started recording, you actually mentioned it because oh. I, somehow it has eluded me, and I have it, and I don't know why I didn't get to it, and it is Hello Beautiful by Anne Napolitano <laughs> because Anne is is herself a beautiful person like amazing and i love her writing and i don't know like why i didn't get to it before it came out so Ooh. definitely want to read that and one of you has read. That, i have or... yes
2: yes i loved Renee, it you're going to i'm going it? to oh, and
1: i'm yes. and i'm not allowed yeah. to tell tina if i don't like it
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true there are certain books for which i'm not accepting criticism and that is one of them <laughs> um, no. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I
0: have it around here somewhere. That is like the name of my memoir is like, I have it, but I haven't read it yet. <laughs> or I have it around here somewhere.
1: Yeah, that's mine for <laughs> sure. It's here somewhere, somewhere upstairs. I don't know. Yeah. I-, I love it set in Chicago too. So I really like resonated with where it's set. Ooh, it was such a good book. Anyway.
2: Oh, great. Okay.
1: Uh, last question before we get into our
2: books for today, Liberty. I know you don't do star ratings, but what is... And you may have already told us what is the last would be five star amazing book you read. Okay,
0: so if we were doing like, you know, fiction for or nonfiction for adults, I would have to say Beyond That, The Sea by Laura Spence Ash, because I just read it a couple of days before it came out. But if we're being honest and completely truthful, (laughs) it would be middle grade graphic novel that's coming out in a few months called Fry Guys by Eric Jaron, illustrated by Jenny Ho, It's just this group of fries, Curly, Straight, and Waffle, who (laughs) investigate a giant like monster-like thing that attacks their town. There are more puns per page than anything I've ever read. Just like all the potato puns, all the fry puns. (laughs) I was like, this is the best time I've ever had. I was so delighted. It might have been three in the morning and I might have been delirious. But yeah, so I gave it five stars because... I was just so happy. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, that's
2: a ama- That is great. And that is not a book that would, ha- would necessarily be on my TBR. So
0: <laughs> it's just so silly. Like if you have kids or if you just like silly, like it's a great, it's a great book to mark down. It reminds me a lot of The Investigators, which is another middle grade uh, graphic novel series that I love with the two alligators that investigate things. They're just so, I, I like to read uh, comics sometimes, like when I'm having like a hard time concentrating, I just find them to be like the most relaxing like brain bubbles, like like manga and and middle grade graphic novels. I like to read them in
1: between the serious stuff. That's good. And that makes sense, given how much you mm-hmm. read, like to have to have some sort of like palate cleanser. Mine is like murder stories. Like that's like my like happy space, like those popcorn-y yeah. <laughs> thrillers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you have to have something that's just like, I love that, brain bubbles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what they
1: are. All right, let's get into the books that we did read for this show. So we each brought two latest reads. So I'm going to go first. <laughs> I will tell you about The Fake by Zoe Wittall. And actually, Renee brought a Zoe Wittall book last week, or when we're releasing this episode a couple weeks ago. So she is a repeat author on Book Talk, et etc. I grabbed this because I love the cover. I got it in the mail. I was like, ooh, this is short. This looks like it could be really fun and engaging and it's another scammer slash con artist book. But this time it's told from the point of view of two people that got taken in by the alluring and elusive Cammie. After the death of her wife, Shelby is suffering from prolonged grief. She's increasingly isolated, and her friends and family are to the point where they feel like she should be over it. They, she should be living her life again, but she literally cannot. And finally, her friend convinces her to go to this grief support group. When she's there, she meets Cammie, who is obviously the center of attention. She's charismatic, but she also befriends Shelby and listens to her in a way that people around her have not been listening to her. So she starts to feel less alone. When they bond really quickly, we find out that Cammie is recovering from cancer and the loss of her sister in an abusive relationship. And Shelby finds herself wanting to do whatever she can to help her new friend dig herself out of this hole. The other main character is Gibson, and he is this quintessential recent divorcee who's moved into this bachelor pad. And he's at this bar and takes this beautiful woman home, and we come to figure out that this is also Cammie. Gibson is depressed. He's searching for himself, and then he basically falls in love with her in a couple of days. It's, like, very insta-lovey things get intense very quickly. And Gibson's delighted. He cannot believe his luck because she's beautiful, fun, and makes him feel alive again. Gibson's friends are very skeptical for obvious reasons. And eventually he also comes to realize, okay, surely no one is this unlucky. Like Some of this, something is not adding up. Gibson and Shelby eventually meet, compare notes, and figure out that Cammie is indeed a pathological liar. I really liked this super short for me, 200 pages or so. And I loved it for it being a palate cleanser. It was something quick. I didn't have to like really think too hard to get into it. If you're looking for shocking twists and turns, you won't find it in this particular one. But what you will get is a thoughtful story about what it might feel like to be taken in and scammed. I appreciated the author's consideration of grief. And although I can't say I like loved any of the characters, I did feel empathy for them. There was something charming about this book. It was really odd because it was dark, but also had points of humor. I decided it's because one of my greatest fears is being scammed. and I could see myself kind of falling into this like friendship relationship with this type of person. I will say it's not super light. So be aware of that. There's definitely mental illness and suicidal ideation. So take care with that and check uh, the trigger warnings on the story graph. I still really enjoyed my reading experience, and I thought this was satisfying. It was the Fake by Zoe Wital.
2: Oh, good. All right, I'm glad that one worked out. Yeah, it was good.
1: I feel like I've been talking about
0: books this whole time, so I'll try to make it brief. But I actually, um, I loved this book, so I just reread it. It comes out in July. It's called The Deep Sky by Yumi Kitase. It's a science fiction book in which uh, it's set in the future, in a future where Earth is an absolute trash heap ruin, um, which Surprising no one. Uh, There are so many books coming out now that are like, the earth stinks. We need to find a new place to live uh, because it's true. Um, So in this book, the the main character is a young woman named Asuka, and she has been chosen to go on this special mission uh, from which people will not return. Um, but they're they're headed way out into the into the solar system. Uh, I'm motioning with my hand, even though you can't see me like, you know, that I'm pointing like we're going way far. <laughs> they're put in in stasis like they're asleep for like, I think, like 10 years of this journey. Uh, and when shortly after they wake up, uh, there's an explosion out on the outside of the ship. And they have to figure out if someone who just woke up planted this explosive device, if it was there the whole time. Uh, if it was somebody within the organization, if it was like there were um, protests uh, on back on Earth about this mission, um, so was it somebody there? Uh, so they're kind of like circling each other. They don't know who they can trust, and in between the chapters, like trying to figure out this mystery of like who planted this bomb, and and now they're off course. Are they ever going to be able to get back in course, or are they just going to drift until they run out of gas and just all freeze to death? Um, so they're trying to figure out how they're going to get back on their mission, uh, and in between those chapters, we hear. Uh, about Asuka's life, like growing up, what it was like for her to be chosen to to go on this mission and like her relationship with her mother, who is very against it. She ends up actually joining an organization that protests this mission. It's really smart and, and really, really well done. You know, like you feel like all the science is real. Like these are things that could happen, even though we're talking about space travel. Um, and it's a debut novel, which I just think is fantastic. So I'm already like, I can't wait to to read what she writes next uh, it is the deep sky by Yume Kitase.
2: yes well,
0: i'm pretty sure
2: i have a copy of that which is really outside of my like wheelhouse comfort zone but that i love what you said about it now now that sounds even better
0: <laughs> well, great
2: yes okay with my first book i'm going back to my comfort zone which is <laughs> mystery <laughs> it is a pretty new release. It's out now. It's All That Is Mine, I Carry With Me by William Landay. And this is also our Patreon book club selection for April. And this is initially set in 1975. And one afternoon in November, 10-year-old Miranda Larkin comes home from school to find her house quiet, which is unusual because her mom is usually always home when she gets home from school. However, It seems like her mother is missing, but nothing is out of place. There is no sign of a struggle, and her mom's purse is still sitting in the front hall in its usual place. And what really happens is a mystery begins, and that mystery as to what happened to Jane Larkin will span decades. Of course, investigators initially suspect Jane's husband, Dan, who's a criminal defense attorney, but no evidence is found linking him to the crime, and Jane's three children, Alex, Jeff, and Miranda, are left to be raised by the man who may have murdered their mother or may not. And each of them has their own way of dealing with their grief, their just uncertainty as to what happened to their mom. And that's where I'm going to leave the initial setup of the story. I ended up listening to this one for 85% of the story. And I have to say, I greatly preferred that format because there were four narrators which tied into the structure of the book perfectly. And I know I've been having structure as a theme for the last couple of my books, but the structure of this story seems to be the key to the way the author chose to tell the story, and I thought it was really brilliant. It's told in four parts. Each part is set up as books, so book one, book two, book three, book four, and they each comprise about 25% of the novel, and they each focus mainly on one character's perspective. So, book one is told by the only non-family member, and it was a really compelling way to start the story. It pulled me right in. And what I do think happened with the audio, which I, it, which is not a negative at all, but I think that by listening, I definitely missed some clues and red herrings. And I'm actually really happy about that because it it increased the surprise factor for me in this book. That might not make sense, but it will once you read or listen to the story. And although I had a small issue with one aspect of something the author chose to have happen to one of the characters, I ended up loving this book. I can't wait to discuss it. There's not a whole lot I can say because I, I if it sounds good to you, I say pick it up. This is different than any other mystery that I've read lately. And it's one I'm going to be thinking about, and I can't wait to discuss it. It's All That Is Mine
1: I Carry With Me by William Landay. Yes. All right. My second book, accidentally, I read it. And for me, this is very early. It does not come out until April 25th, but I brought it as a shelf edition, so I feel okay about it. It's The Eden Test by Adam Sternberg. And I didn't even realize it came out later in April, but I sampled the audiobook and got hooked right away, which is like my favorite reading experience. I grabbed this initially because he wrote The Blinds, which I loved. I thought that was such a clever plot. And so I wanted to read more by the author. The premise is great. You've got Daisy and Craig. It's their second wedding anniversary. But things are not all rosy in their relationship. And in fact, when Daisy surprises Craig with a couple's getaway— He arrives there with suitcases in his trunk, ready to leave her for another woman. He's going to Cabo. He's gone. (laughs) And so you're like, how is he going to, how are we going to turn this around? And this is not just any couples retreat. This is the Eden test, a week long getaway designed to help couples get a fresh start. It's run by two hippie psychologists. And the tagline is seven days, seven questions forever changed. At first, Craig's just playing along. Daisy's kind of getting him to come out of his shell and, like, cheer up a little bit. She feeds him wine and then pancakes in the morning. And they go out to this community. And things are starting to get a little bit strange with some of the locals. You, as a reader, kind of realize pretty quickly you're a lot smarter than Craig. Daisy's a lot smarter than Craig. He's just not the brightest bulb. And you also realize that Daisy's got some secrets of her own. I really, really liked this one. I thought it was a fresh take on a story that we've heard before, a Marriage is in Trouble, but this still had all of the makings of an excellent psychological thriller. This went in different directions than I was expecting, and you really do go on a journey with these characters and figure out that Daisy is so much more than what you are presented on the surface. The couple gets tested, and I thought the author did a great job building the sense of dread, so much so. I kind of have, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'll read a little bit, And I was reading this book. I fell back asleep and I dreamed that something that happened in the book was happening to me. (laughs) That never happens. And I was like, whoa, why am I dreaming about this? I'm like, oh my gosh, because of this book. So, but I kind of like it. I like to be scared. I thought it was good writing. I was really, really intrigued. It went over the top as psychological thrillers sometimes do. I didn't care. I would love to see this adapted. I would also say, though, check trigger warnings because it does get really dark and raw in some sections. I don't want to say why because it's kind of a spoiler, but I was like, oh, wow. I love that Sternberg gave us an original story in a saturated genre. He's on his way to being an auto-read author for me, which I'm so excited. I love when I discover new auto-read authors. I'm glad this was a winner for me. I would say get your holds in, get your pre-orders in, get it on your radar. This was The Eden Test by Adam Sternberg.
0: I love him. I have not read this one yet, but I am very excited to read it because I love his Shovel Ready series. I also loved The Blinds, which they've been going to make into a series forever. But I wanted to tell you, Tina, if you like The Blinds, I highly recommend reading Kelly Armstrong's uh, Casey Duncan books because it's also a series of novels set at this off-the-grid land where people who are on the run or want to lose their identities go. But of course, like you know, crime happens there, too. Right. It's a little less speculative, like, because in the blinds, like, people don't really know, like, why they're there, but... Um, it's it's a great series. Kelly Armstrong is a fantastic
1: Ooh, writer. okay. I I've like never glad heard that this. I, I
0: discovered her thrillers. I haven't read her paranormal romance series. I think she has one or paranormal mysteries, but I do like the Casey Duncan novels.
2: Thank you. Oh, I want my own personal recommendation. No, too bad. Liberty.
0: <laughs> 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 I gave you one. I told you to read the Laura Spence Ash and Cry and Cry and 84 Try and Crossroads. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which is, which yes. is really great. <laughs> and have you, read, have you read Defending Jacob? Yes, I did years
2: ago. Yeah, you didn't like it. It's been around forever. That's
0: Mm -hmm. that's a, Oh, interesting.
2: No, I gave it two stars, but I didn't write a review, so I don't know why.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, is it me? It's It's you. It's your turn. Yes. My my other pick for today, um, I read recently and loved, 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 loved. It is The Dog of the North by Elizabeth McKenzie. First of all, I have to say one of my very favorite authors is Charles Portis who we sadly lost a few years ago. Uh, he wrote True Grit. He wrote five novels in six decades. He's basically Donna Tart's hero. And I'm not even making a joke. Like, he he is her influence. Um, if you read The Little Friend*, you can really see his influence on her writing. But she decided to adopt his, like, one book every 10 years kind of thing, which means <laughs> that we are due for a new Donna Tart this year. Um, so he wrote a book called The Dog of the South, which is about this wacky road trip that this guy goes on after his wife takes his credit card and leaves him and they drive to Mexico, I think, or Central America or someplace. And so this is The Dog of the South. It's an homage to that book. You don't have to have read The Portis to, to get it. And it's about a woman named Penny whose life is falling apart. Um, her, she finds out her husband is cheating on her and she hates her job. And she has all these like family issues that she's been avoiding So she decides she's going to take care of them and she just like leaves town. She goes to visit her grandparents. Her grandparents live in California. They've been divorced for a long time, but they're each having their own problems. Her grandmother is this old battle axe who frightens everyone, is very bossy and formidable, very unfriendly. She used to be a doctor. She still like performs experiments in her home and has all like these dangerous things like lying around her house. And one day uh, a welfare worker went out to check on her. Or they did a welfare check, I guess I should say. And uh, she threatened them. There's, they they told Penny that her grandmother has a gun, so she wants to go there and like take the gun away from her grandmother and figure out what's going on. On the other side, her grandfather is very elderly. He married a gold digger much younger than him, um, and she keeps calling Penny and saying that you know she needs to put her grandfather in a home because she didn't sign on to marry somebody and take care of them when they were old, which is literally like what you are saying when you agree to marriage. But apparently this woman did not think it all the way through. So she's going to go check on him. Um, We also know that Penny's parents, her mother and her stepfather who raised her from when she was a baby, moved to Australia when Penny was nine. And... They have gone missing five years before. Like they went off in a van there. They love nature. They love adventure. They love science. They went to look at some rock formation somewhere and they were never seen again. So she goes to try and deal with these problems. But this is like a wacky, wacky road trip novel. Um, she's going to meet her grandmother's accountant who has a medical emergency right away and saddles Penny with his his beat up old van called the Dog of the North. Uh, She also meets his brother, who is a very handsome lawyer, but unfortunately he's married, but she's still having feelings for him. There is an adorable little Pomeranian who belongs to the accountant who's now in the hospital. So she has to look after that dog. Um, She has to figure out how to deal with her grandmother who stabs her in the leg. And now she's got a horrible infection. It's just one series of wacky misfortune after another Um, and it's, but it's like really funny, but it's also like really sad. But the thing that I loved about this novel is something that they don't talk about a lot is that Penny was raised from, uh, you know, as, as an infant by her stepfather. So she calls him her father, but everybody refers to him as her stepfather, especially now that like they're missing. They say like this woman's mother and her stepfather, and he's the man who raised her. He's her father. You know, this is about like who we choose to be family, you know, whether it's biological or not, like he is her father. You know, she, you know, she loves him just as much. You know she doesn't like her biological father. He's he's a presence in the book. He's a problem. He's part of the reason why her parents moved to Australia. You know, so she wants people. And and you don't usually see them address like, you know, family that is not blood related like that. Like like I just really liked that. It really bothers her that people don't just call him her father. Mm-hmm. So it's heartbreaking. It's also like really 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 funny. So I could go on about it forever, but I'm gonna stop. <laughs> That is The Dog of the North by Elizabeth Mackenzie. Thank
1: you. Oh. I was like trying to, that's why we have to, it's because of my memory. We say it at the top, the title and the author, and then I listen to it and I'm like, what book was that again? <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> <laughs> I always talk about book serendipity. I think, I don't know how that works, but it works. And this is so funny because I just went to the library two days ago. Because this book came up as being like ready in my reserves. And I don't even remember putting a hold on it. And I went and picked it up. And I was like, oh, I don't remember. putting." you know, so every now and then I put a bunch of holds on things that sound good. And I was only able to get the print copy. So anyway, I picked it up two days ago. And then that's the that's the book you just talked about. And so I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> I know. Well, that sounds so yeah. It's so- really
0: it's really fun. You know, she also wrote an incredible book, which was long listed for the National Book Award called The Portable Veblen, which was also about a woman who was avoiding her own problems by, you know, running away from them. Um, But this one I enjoyed even more.
2: Okay, good. Awesome. All right. Okay. My next book is also an April 25th release. And you won't be surprised to hear it. It's my most anticipated audio of the year. Oh, yes. It's "It's You and Only You by Carolyn Kepnes, narrated by the great Santino Fontana. I have to say Joe Goldberg a lot, so Tina is going <laughs> to roll her eyes, but I've been waiting on this audio, and I have so many feelings. I have so many feelings. Okay, in this story, which is book four in the You series, Joe Goldberg is back. He is ready for a change. Instead of selling books, he's writing them. And in this story, there is an acclaimed literary author named Glenn Shoddy. And he has invited Joe to come to Harvard and join his tight-knit writing fellowship. So off to Harvard, Joe goes. And he is excited. He is so excited because Joe thinks he will finally be in a place where talent matters more than pedigree where intellect is the great equalizer and anything is possible, even happy endings, or so he thinks. That's all I'm going to tell you. If you know the series, then all you need to know is Joe's going to Harvard, things are going to happen, and there's going to be wacky times along the way. In my opinion, there is no better way to read this story than listening to it, because the audio narration is truly amazing. It's one of my favorite things to look forward to every couple years. I've said it before. Santino Fontana is Joe Goldberg to me. He encompasses everything that Joe is, crazy thoughts and all. You've got to love Joe and his complete narcissism and cutthroat way of looking at the world. It's hugely entertaining. This book was hugely entertaining for the most part. What happens along the way and... At Harvard and with everything that goes on while Joe is at Harvard is a lot. This is some of Carolyn Kepnes's best writing, I thought. I did feel like this was a love letter, her love letter to readers and writers. And I thought it was so fun to get to see and feel a part of the literary world coming alive within a story. Authors and book titles are dropped throughout, and it was super entertaining. Joe is on Goodreads in this story, if <laughs> which was truly funny. She managed to use Joe and his voice to not only skewer pop culture, but also revel in it. There is so much pop culture content, including iconic TV shows, books, authors, and the more that she name drop and sprinkled them throughout the story, the more I really appreciated what she was doing. I thought her writing was smart and clever. I thought the dialogue and the pacing and the voices by Santino Fontana was perfection. Now, while I loved the audio narration of this book, the story itself is not a slam dunk winner for me in terms of plot and pacing. There were times in the story that I thought the plot stalled And it felt very repetitive. Um, I noticed after I read it and went back and checked some reviews that other reviewers have said that the plot dragged at certain points. And I absolutely agree. This is about 15 hours on audio, about 450 pages in print. In my opinion, it is way too long. Way too long. I felt it. I felt the length and I didn't anticipate feeling that way. If you've read this series before or like you're up to date on the series, I predict you're going to like this. If you haven't, you absolutely do need to start with you, book one, and read or listen to the books in order. Where I'll leave you, if you're at all offended by language, especially the F word, beware, because I, I think that Joe took it up a notch in this book. But I will leave you with this Joe quote, which I think is a fun teaser. And Joe said at one point, "This is Harvard. This is the time in my life when I get the glory and the girl, and there's no way out of it." Question is, does he? That's yes, why I want to leave you. Yes, okay, yes, yes. that was "You and Only You" by Carolyn Kepnes.
0: But it sounds like the sequel to you should really be called "Fu."
2: It ab- <laughs> for real. <laughs> it ab- it, ab- it absolutely should. Do you re- do you read the series, Liberty?
0: I have not, but I do have a personalized recommendation for you now, Renee. What? And I'm going to say it, and you're going to say, I hate this book. Hang up now. (laughs) Um, Have you read Who is Maud Dixon by Alexandra Andrews?
2: Yes, I loved it.
1: You're spot spot on with that recommendation.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I have to read that one.
1: I haven't read that one yet, but yes. It's really good. I
0: mean, it's set in the world of publishing. It's very Patricia Highsmith. You know, there is a mystery. There's some violence. I really enjoyed that one.
2: Yes, great. Oh, I okay. I love that recommendation. I wish I hadn't already read it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right? Oh, man. All right. Well, let's wrap things up, as we always do with our shelf editions. These are books we have not yet read, but we're very excited to. Mine is In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. And I have to, I had to put this on my list. Brett at Brett's Bookstack has been singing its praises. Hunter at Shelf by Shelf said this book had him boo-hooing all day that it's a contender for the top 10 reads of the year. And I like cannot, I can't wait. I just got approved for the audio. So I'm very excited to dive in. This is a debut. and It's about two young men who fall in love during World War One. World War One is happening. It's 1914. It's World War I, and it's ceaselessly churning through thousands of young men on both sides of the fight. The violence on the front feels very far away, though, to Henry, Sydney, and the rest of their classmates because they go to this boarding school in the English countryside. They know the war is happening. It's not really touching them yet in, in a very personal way. And they do, though, get some news of their friends who are dying, and it's making the war more exciting for them, which I'm like, okay. Gaunt is busy fighting his own private battle. He is infatuated with his best friend, the glamorous and charming Elwood, without a clue that Elwood pines for him in return. So Gaunt's family asks him to enlist to forestall the anti-German sentiment they face. He does so immediately, kind of relieved to escape his overwhelming feelings for Elwood, And then to his horror, Elwood rushes to join him as well. And a lot of their classmates follow. Now death is real. It's not just this kind of nebulous thing happening to other people. It's happening inches away from them and no one knows who will be next. It's an epic tale, both of the devastating tragedies of war and the forbidden romance that blooms in its grip. Again, it's a debut. I cannot wait. And I'm super glad that they had been, I've been seeing this everywhere because it got me to You know, I don't read a ton of historical fiction, but this one sounds amazing. It's In Memoriam by Alice Wynn.
0: I really want to read that one as well. I have not read it yet, obviously, but (laughs) I've heard nothing but amazing things. I feel like it was really like kind of like a quiet release. It
1: was because I was like, is this not out yet? I think it came out in March and earlier in this month. So I'm very excited. It was
0: like two weeks ago. Yeah. Sort of in keeping with the theme that we were discussing a little bit, uh, I just got my hands on Shark Heart, a love story by Emily Haybeck, which the cover, first of all, is stunning. That is what drew my eye to it. It is like a shark, but made out of flowers. It's so beautiful. And one of my favorite novels of last year was Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield, which is about a couple, one of whom works on a submarine, goes on an expedition, doesn't come back at the a time that they were supposed to end up under the ocean water for six weeks. And when they come back, they're not quite the person that they were. But this one sounds like less Our Wives Under the Sea and more Mrs. Caliban by Rachel Ingalls, which is like a a classic that that you should read if you like weird books. This one is about a couple newlyweds, Ren and Lewis, And shortly after they marry, Lewis starts turning into a great white shark which just is like all I need. Sure. I love like, so we were talking about like the ocean and like sharks and stuff earlier, Tina. Like I am terrified of the ocean because I am terrified of sharks. I love, they're like one of my favorite things. I have an entire bookcase of books about sharks because I love them. I
1: will not go. In right. The water. I was like, you said terrified, <laughs> right? But you love them. Yep. Okay. Got it. I'm I got
0: terrified it. <laughs> of them. Terrified. But I, I mean, I love them and, and and I think we should save them. And I think they're just incredible. I read about them all the time. I love to read books about sharks, but I will not go in the water. But like, I'm very excited to read this book because sharks, you know, and like great white sharks never been held in captivity before, you know, like they they don't live, you know, so like what's going to happen to this man who's turning into a great white shark? I don't know, but I'm going to read it soon. That's Shark Heart, A Love Story by Emily Haybeck.
1: This sounds like it's perfect for you. Like they like wrote this with you in mind.
0: (laughs) Oh, and it comes out on August
2: 8th. Okay, good. A good summer, wreck. All right. All right. I'll finish up with You Can't Stay Here Forever by Katherine Lin, comes out June 13th. And this is about Ellie Hung, who just days after her young, handsome husband dies in a car accident, discovers that he had a mistress, who just so happened to be one of her own colleagues at the prestigious law firm where she worked. So Ellie acts on impulse and decides to cash in her husband Ian's life insurance policy and head to a luxurious hotel in the French Riviera. And along for the ride with her is her free-spirited best friend, Mabel. So Ellie and Mabel head to the French Riviera, and among the stunning clientele and floral-scented cocktails, they decide to escape the real world. And at first, they do escape. They sit, they relax, they talk, they meet people, and they meet an intriguing couple named Fauna and Robbie. And as those poolside chats turn into wine-soaked dinners, the four of them become increasingly intimate. But it's not long before this little getaway turns into a bit of a reckoning for Ellie and long-simmering tensions and uncomfortable truths start to swirl to the surface. This is a debut that is being billed as sharply funny, and a story that's going to explore the slippery nature of marriage, the push and pull between friends, and an interplay of race and privilege. So that was You Can't Stay Here Forever by Katherine Lynn.
1: Well, that's it. What a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad uh, that's I know. over. I mean,
0: we can turn it off. I can keep going all day. Uh, I do have a Girl Scout cookie delivery coming at two, so I will have to stop then. <laughs> or else my husband will be very sad. But...
1: Now, are the Girl Scouts coming personally to, to deliver?
0: Yes, because it's my niece.
1: Oh, I love oh, nice. It.
2: Oh, so okay. you're getting, Are you getting thin
1: mints?
0: Yeah, i oh, I'm so I, I don't. Yeah, I don't eat them. I'm vegan because I'm one of those annoying people. But my husband definitely partakes in, in Girl Scout cookies. Oh and they had, they were going to have a day where they sold them outside a Walmart in our town. Uh, and we had a giant blizzard that day. So they have all these these cookies left over. So they were like, please help. And I was like, uh, you know, hey, do you want some more? He's like, yes. <laughs> yes <I do.
1: laughs> right. He didn't even let me
0: finish. He's like, order more cookies.
1: Anytime I can get my hands on a Girl Scout cookie, I'm like in. I forget the peanut butter yeah. ones is what I like, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever those yeah. are called. Those are good. But did you hear
0: about the Raspberry ones? Oh. No. They had these new ones, they're Raspberry, and they were online only this year. You could only get them online. And they sold out immediately, and people are selling them, like reselling them online for like $30, $40, $50 no. a box.
1: Oh my God. Which is
0: like, which is like sad. Like it, the Girl Scouts released a statement saying like how sad they were because the whole point of selling cookies is to make money. Money for, their for them. Not for yeah, your but...
1: pockets, you greedy little yeah. SOBs. <laughs> <laughs> Aw. Hey, Liberty, do you want to plug anything?
0: Uh, You can find me on the All the Books podcast every Tuesday on whatever podcast listening device you use, whether it's Apple or Spotify or your cat tells you. Um, I have a Patreon you can subscribe to in which I send out uh, some book recommendations, some cat pictures, some songs and a list of 100 to 300 titles coming out that day. Uh, called What's My Page Again. You can
1: find that online and sign up for that. Is that a hyperbole? 100 to 300?
0: No. I scour the internet, the ends of the earth, and I
1: try to mark
0: down as many books as possible that come out that day because I believe there are books for everybody and I believe that books save lives and I love and am honored that people... Let me help them find books that make them happy.
1: Oh, my gosh. I just love that. Thank you so much for being here. Honestly, this was such a joy. We truly could talk forever. Yes. Yes, we
0: really could. Yeah,
1: that's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for five dollars a month on Patreon.com/BookTalk etc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at BookTalk etc at gmail.com. You
2: can also find us at BookTalk etc on Instagram, Tina at TBR etc, and me Renee at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime,
1: remember, everything's better with books. This, in all of my years of listening to Liberty, I've never heard you say you don't like a book. I'm so happy <laughs> that we get this behind it's the scenes sneak. not like it's sneak.
0: fine, yeah. you know, it's fine.